Welcome to Side Talks. Come, my lady. Come, come, my lady. God, You're my butterfly. Don't Sugar, carry that baby. over and do yes, another let's episode. Let's do it, Brad. Put that in here, too. No. Done. Come, my lady. Come, come, my lady. <laughs> Crazy town. We just, we just went lady. through that. Come, come, my lady. God, it just represents the most reprehensible <laughs> ideas in popular culture of my lifetime. But I love the idea that somebody out there in the world has stumbled upon this podcast, never listened to it before, certainly never heard the episode before this, and is just like, wait, what? They're going to hear Crazy Town and they're going to be like, hey, Crazy Town, all yes, right, this yes, must be a podcast an, that I would There's an entire podcast to. that's in the hundreds of episodes that is about the band Crazy Town. Come you think we run come, out come. of... <laughs> Topics. He would, but we but we can't. There was, I will say, this is an intro for Side Talks podcast. By the way, I'm Rachel Morgan. That's Corey Kraft. But we're not done with this intro yet. Oh, God. There was an entire like behind the music or behind the something or profile on MTV of Crazy Town that spent a great deal of time talking about the lead singer of Great of Crazy Town and how he had met his uh, girlfriend at the time that he was extremely famous from that song "Come My Lady, Come Come." He met her while she was serving them wings at um, at, at Hooters. So that, now, that is out there somewhere in the world. That was... We've almost had 20 years since then of new Crazy Town happenings. Like, we need an update. We need what a Crazy Town What are the people from Crazy Town up to? Okay, I feel uh, reflections coming on in a future episode. Anyway... Or we could never talk about Crazy Town again, and that would be fine. Brad, what do you think the odds are that I'm never going to talk about Crazy Town again? <laughs> Not very high. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely happening. But... As as you wait with bated breath for me to talk again about Crazy Town, let's talk about some other shit. Show me that smile. Show me that smile. You got to do that little thing, Brad, if you don't mind. All right. I forgot that's what you go with. Show and tell me that smile. Oh, my God. Okay. It is time for Show and Tell, if you haven't guessed from my beautifully sung intro. I Yep. I guessed I'm, it. I'm holding something in my hands that looks very much like the shape of a VHS tape. It does. So this is going to be, I'm going to show, I mentioned in a previous episode that my girlfriend has really taken to Kyle McKinnon's suggestion and she's beginning to build a VHS library and watching just only VHS in the bedroom area. And yep. it's been a lot of fun. Including The Deep End of the Ocean. I just wanted That's to mention right. that title specifically because That's again, right. nobody has talked about that movie so, in 20 years. And I feel like it won't be the last time that it gets mentioned either. <laughs> we need to keep these things live. So uh, I'm holding a film that should also be flushed down the deep end of the ocean. Oh. Um, but I'm going to read to you. This is wrapped up. Yes. It's wrapped up. I cannot see okay. the cover. Good. I'm going to read to you the back. Okay. okay. Before I show and tell, I'm going to read to you the back, the summary. I'm going to leave the actors' names out. And I just want to see if you can guess what film this is. All right. It's clearly old enough to be on VHS. Mm-hmm. have been had a VHS release. But I will tell you, it's not a super crusty film. It's, okay. It's, it's not terribly old. Uh, but here it goes. Are you ready? Romance has never been funnier. Oh, no. I know. Off to a bad start. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, trust me when I tell you I've seen this film and romance can certainly, almost any <laughs> romance on the planet was funnier than this, including like, like really tragic Like ones. Michael Hanukkah's Amour. Right. right. <laughs> OJ's romance, Bill Cosby's romance were funnier than this. Jesus. Oh, I said it. Whoops. Sorry. Brad's shaking his head for the record. Um, okay, romance has never been funnier than this. Uh, and excuse me, romance has never been funnier in this battle of wits and will for Audrey and Daniel. Competition in the courtroom makes the moon. Oh, I know York's, what this is. What is it? This is laws of attraction. <laughs> I can't fucking believe it. I've seen I this fucking movie. Fucking, okay, wow. Watch this. Watch. 
I'm unwrapping. Laws of Attraction on VHS. This movie's awful. It's so terrible. Can I just finish, though, just Please. really quickly so that everybody knows? Uh, New York's top-notch divorce attorneys. But when celebrity clients, which one of which is Parker Posey, yep. which I couldn't believe, uh, raise their stakes in their nasty divorce, Audrey and Daniel set out on a, on a trip. Set out on a trip? Yeah, set on a trip to make their case and end up hitched themselves. Now to spare their own professional reputations, they must fool people into believing they're actually in love. So are they fooling themselves? Laws of Attraction stars Pierce Brosnan and Julianne Moore. And there have never been more one-dimensional characters in the history of the world, I really feel like. Like, Pierce Brosnan plays a, which is really miscast, by the way. Of course. But he plays a bit of a, like, I'm a bit of a drunk attorney, a wild guy attorney, a crazy attorney, a I don't care attorney. Ugh. And Julianne Moore is a, I'm a stick-up-the-ass attorney. And there is no nuance between... at all between these two far ends of the spectrum. It's so, really terrible. So I'm going to say something that will not surprise you one bit. What? That as a young person, especially when I was working at the video store, I became something of a Julianne Moore completist. I had to see okay. everything that Julianne Moore started. She's wonderful. Why is she in this? I don't know. And I didn't know after I saw this movie. Right. When I watched it for the first time, she had kind of a rough... 2004. Oh, if you ever run into that movie, The Forgotten, this wacky thriller with Julianne Moore, VHS, that, that is a perfect a VHS good, that movie true. because that, but you that know movie what? does it's not better exist. Than this. Oh, there it, was, it's there was something about this that really got under my skin because there's something about the, just the tone not even being it's, – it's one of those things where you know, if you're going to make this film and you're going to make a terrible fucking film, which there's no way – there is no way that anyone read the script – and thought otherwise. Everybody who read the script thought this is a terrible beast of a film. Yeah. Why not just just dive into the bad? Like, but it does the tone that is not even enjoyable. It's hard. It, you can't even watch this and, and be like, well, it's a good. It's a good bad movie. It's not. No, it's it's really really bad. Um, it, it it's it's going for that sort of screwball energy. That something like, okay. This is not a well-loved movie either, but it's a movie I really like a lot more because it's made by my dudes, Joel and Ethan Cohen. Okay. Uh, their movie, Intolerable Cruelty, which is kind of another right. sort and of- And has a very similar cover. I similar believe. cover. It's it's also you know a divorce attorney who falls in love with- like the, the opposing, you know, somebody who he he represents a guy who gets divorced from this lady, sure. played by Catherine Zeta Jones, and he falls in love with her. And wacky screwball style mishaps ensue. You know, it's the sort of the sort of movie where, like, you know, in the middle of a courtroom, mayhem will uh, break out, and the judge will gavel, gavel, gavel on the on the lectern or whatever, and say, yeah. mm, "I'll allow it" or whatever, and and that'll be a punchline for a joke. Well, Laws of Attraction wants to. Kind of it does. that sort of screwball farce, and it's it's just so wildly miscast. I mean, that's the thing is, you know what you do when you want to cast a wacky comedy that's going to be a lot of fun. Don't fucking you cast don't fucking Pierce call Beer- Pierce Brosnan's agent, and you don't fucking call Julianne Moore's agent either. This is nuts. Now Parker Posey, okay, but even well, she can she's do that, and yeah, but she's not even enjoyable in this. She's no. really not, and she's and 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 if you haven't seen this, and you shouldn't, she her husband that she's getting a divorce from is like a what like a british he's like a british rock star type yeah and he's terrible too it's just it's all around a shit show anyway it's like like a russell brand before russell brand yeah i mean 
you know what, Russ, this, they wish, they wish this were anywhere in the world of, of Russell Brand. Well, I that, mean, that could have been terrible. lively at least. Right. It would have at least had a pulse. Right. Anyway, show me that smile. That was show and tell, bitches. And I didn't like it at all. <laughs> what up? And now we'd like to welcome Charlie Brown Sanders the third to the studio for his segment, Film History Minute with Charlie Brown. The Conversation is a 1974 American mystery thriller film written, produced, and directed by Francis Ford Coppola. The plot revolves around a surveillance expert and the moral dilemma he faces when his recordings reveal a potential murder. The film was released a few months before President Nixon resigned, and so it was widely assumed the film was inspired by events surrounding Watergate. Actually, Coppola had written the screenplay in the 60s after seeing the film blow up and had the idea to adapt that concept with the world of audio surveillance. The spying equipment used in the film was discovered through research, so it came as a complete shock to Coppola that it turned out to be the same exact equipment used in the Watergate break-in. Coppola had tried to get funding for the conversation and failed to interest any studio or other investors. It was only after The Godfather released in 1972 and was a hit that Paramount Pictures offered to produce it. Coppola has said that if it wasn't for The Godfather, this movie would never have been made. The original cinematographer of the conversation was Haskell Wexler, considered today to be one of film history's influential cinematographers. Wexler was fired shortly after production began due to creative differences with Coppola and replaced by Bill Butler. A year later, Butler was hired to replace Wexler again. This time, it was due to creative differences between Wexler and Milo's foreman on One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. When it won Best Cinematography, both men received an Oscar. And a side note, happy birthday, Bill Butler, who turned 100 years old this year. In Coppola's original script, the main character was to have been named Harry Call, C-A-L-L, but a typing error led to his being named Harry Call, C-A-U-L, and the name stuck because Coppola liked how the meaning of the word call, a birth defect causing a membrane to surround the head, related to the character. This ties in strongly with both Harry's transparent rain jacket, which he wears for the majority of the film, and also the fact that Harry is occasionally viewed through a translucent sheet of plastic when threatened such as by his rival during the party scene. Coppola's first choice for Harry Call was Marlon Brando, who turned him down flat. His second choice, who accepted the role, was Gene Hackman. At the time, Hackman was a fit, good-looking, relatively young man. To personify Harry's wary, aging, and unhappy existence, Hackman grew a pathetic-looking mustache, wore ill-fitting glasses, and had a wardrobe picked out that was at least 10 years out of date. Hackman had a very difficult time adapting to the Harry Call character because he was so much unlike himself. Hackman was an outgoing and approachable person, whereas his character Harry Call was meant to be a socially awkward loner who wore a raincoat and out-of-style glasses. Coppola said that Hackman's efforts to tap into the character made the actor moody and irritable on set, but otherwise, Coppola got along well with his leading man. To demonstrate his commitment to the character, Hackman even learned to play the saxophone for his scenes. Today, Hackman considers it his favorite film performance. The Harry Call character was inspired by surveillance technology expert Martin Kaiser, who also served as technical consultant on the film. Coppola also made Call religious, originally intending the character to have a confession scene. Coppola has said that the practice of confession is one of the earliest forms of the invasion of privacy, earliest forms of surveillance. 
The film's score was written by David Shire, who happened to be married to Coppola's sister, Talia Shire, at the time. Shire's original music was composed prior to production and played for an actor prior to the scene to get them into the proper mood. In 1998, Heckman appeared in Enemy of the State, which is considered to be a sequel of sorts to the conversation. His character, Edward Lyle, is cut from the same cloth as Henry Call, from the wardrobe, translucent trench coats, right down to the all-consuming paranoia. To underline that fact, Scott used a picture of Henry Call from the conversation as the younger version of Edward Lyle. The film also contains a sequence that is a direct nod to the opening shot for Coppola's movie. And finally, the blue Mercedes limousine used near the end of the film was a vehicle that Coppola won on a bet with Paramount Pictures. During filming of The Godfather, Coppola had complained about having to share a station wagon with five other passengers. Studio executives promised him if The Godfather grossed a certain amount, they would buy him a car. When The Godfather became the highest-grossing film of all time, Coppola, accompanied by his friend George Lucas, went to a Mercedes dealership, picked out the car, and told the salesman, Bill Paramount Pictures. Thank you for listening to Talks Podcast. We are your own cinematic Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey and J-Lo and Mariah Carey and Madonna and Mariah Carey and Nicki Minaj and Mariah Carey and Eminem. Are you going to stop me? Because I can probably keep Are these going. all people that Mariah Carey yes. has feuded with? Yes. And the list that... I mean that I had to I ran out of time. I had to come record the podcast. Well, so you're obviously the Mariah Carey in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. You know what I won't take M and M. Yeah, Chris. Anyway, thanks to Revelator Coffee, our sponsor, thanks to Boutwell Studios. We love you. And uh, check us out at uh, Sidewalk Film on social media or sidewalkfest.com. These are all places where you can see what's going on at the Sidewalk Cinema, including not only the three classic horror movies that we've talked about, but it sounds like we've got Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills. The hotly anticipated new sequel. And um, Dune and coming up. Dune. Oh, I cannot tell you how excited I am for Dune. And The Velvet Underground. Oh, shit. Really? So that's coming, too. So, yeah, come see a film with us. If, if you're listening to the podcast and you happen to be in Birmingham, swing by and see a film with us. If you live in Birmingham or anywhere in the area, come see a film with us. We'd love to see you there. The Velvet Underground, by the way, this documentary directed by Carol director Todd Haynes. Yeah. So it is a must-see. And I believe this is his first doc. It's his first doc, and I've heard nothing but good things about it. So We're excited I'm really to have excited it. We're really excited to, to, to have see it. that. And as we enter into the holiday season, we've got so many fun surprises coming. Hell yeah. Uh, so yeah, and our Halloween extravaganza, we're not just playing films, but we're going to also have Freddy Krueger story time. Freddy Krueger is going to read uh, 13 Ghosts of Alabama. What? I know. You got Freddy I got himself? Freddy. I got Freddy. Uh, we're going to have Halloween crafting and all kinds of drink specials oh and fun stuff, goodness. some unsolved mysteries in the in the classroom and, and themed music videos in the lobby. So spend the 30th and 31st, at least some part of it with us. Is Freddie going to be signing autographs? I bet Freddie would sign an autograph or two or scratch you down your face, whichever you mm, prefer. Well, I better not risk it then. Thanks for listening. Bye. Boutwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.